Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. This is episode 169, and it's called What to Do with Your Ambition. <laughs> are you ready for it? Speaking of are you ready for it, I'm doing a two-day event in Nashville in a couple of weeks. This is uh, a long time coming because so many of you have said, could you, seriously, how about a, uh, how about a two-day on the East Coast or the South? So that's what we're doing. And I'll be talking about um, what we all want to talk about. I want to talk about growth, change, enlightenment, expansion. Um, how does it work? Especially if you're part of a tribe and you're seeing things in new ways that perhaps some in your tribe aren't seeing. Uh, is that normal? What do you do about that? What happens when your own growth has come at a cost? And it appears now as thing, that things are more polarized than ever. Is that true? Um, has it been like this in the past? And, and what do you do when you feel like there are these huge issues that everybody needs to see or we're really going to be in trouble and a lot of people don't see them? And what do you do with that yourself? So I'll be talking about atoms and molecules and altered states and the Jesus path. And I'll be showing pictures. And I got I have... I have so much planned for this. Um, I don't know if I can fit it in in two days. So anyway, that will be the Nashville two-day. There's also, I think, a couple, one or two spots for the November Something to Say workshop, which is uh, a totally different thing than Nashville. The Something to Say workshops are where you bring uh, whatever you're working on communicating. So you bring that talk, that series, that book, that novel, that project, and then we work on it together. And it's a smaller group of people, and it's at the Improv Lab here in Los Angeles. Speaking of Los Angeles, um, my next Largo show is November 18th. And Largo shows are always, you know, just pure magic there. And uh, I would love to see you at that. So those are things that we got cooking. But right now, what we have cooking is what to do with your ambition. And this episode comes out of... Uh, my own wrestling with this, what do you do with your ambition? And then I kept noticing how many people had questions about ambition that generally got worded something like this. A person would say something like, how do I know when I'm on the right path or when it's just all my ego? How do I know when, it's, when I'm going after what I'm here to do, but, but what about my pride what about making it all about me? Um, when am I just being selfish? And when am I in the groove of this larger spirit call, whatever it is, that is actually what I'm here to do? Um, and I've noticed that these are all questions about ambition. What do we do with ambition? Now, that word, uh, for some people, their tribe or the place that they come from was all about your ambition. Like go, climb, throw some elbows, step on whoever you have to, get what you can. Uh, it's a universe of scarcity, so you better get your slice of the pie. And so ambition is like, yeah, let's go. And yet it uh, strangely leaves people empty when it's all about their ambition. And then I've also observed others who come from tribes that from early on, taught them to be scared of their desires and their drives, um, taught them they're a worthless wretch and sinner. So 
how could anything ever good come from you? So anything that feels like it comes from the heart, like it's a desire, like it's I want, is automatically verboten. It's like, get away from that because it's probably bad. And so when you talk about ambition, for some people, that's just something to be avoided because their assumption is, well, if it has anything to do with ambition, it's probably radioactive and I should avoid it. So uh, a couple thoughts up front, one about Psalms, one about systems, and one about good. Then I want to give you an image, a way to think about your ambition. Then I'm going to give you a list that uh, as of this moment has seven things on it, but the list might grow between now and when I give you the list. Then we're going to talk about proper place, and then uh, I want to talk about a plan. I want to read you an ancient text, and then I'm going to talk about something called magnanimity and leave you with uh, like a mantra or a prayer. How's that for an outline, for an overview, where we're headed? So first, uh, a passage from the book of Psalms. And my friends, we are using something countercultural called actual paper right here. Uh, there's a collection of poems and prayers in the middle of the Bible called the Psalms. Um, this one, Psalm 8, uh, says, for the director of music, um, this is a psalm of David. So when it says director of music, you got to picture a little groove little backbeat, you know what I'm saying, a little jazz, like this has got a little something to it. Um, but there's this great line, what are mere mortals? It's like a prayer to the divine. What are mere mortals that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? You have made them a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned them with glory and honor. I love those that phrase because we don't like normally talk like that, right? You don't say to your friend like, my... My, you look good. You look crowned with glory and honor. It's such big sort of over-the-top language. And yet what I, what I love about it is it's like, the, it's like the psalmist says, you know, you're just made of dust. You're just a collection of molecules. You're just a, you're just a simple featherless biped who's here and then you're going to be gone in a few years. And yet, and yet, you're crowned with glory and honor. There's a dignity and a value to being a human being. There's a holy, sacred dimension to being a human being. You're crammed with greatness. You reflect the divine image. And the reason why I start here is if you, uh, if you harbor like deep desires to do something meaningful with your life. That's totally normal. Or maybe you're working some job and something within you is like, is this it? Seriously, this is my life? Like, this is it. This is where it went. Uh, this is how it played out. No way. Maybe something within you is just like, no, this feels like settling and I'm not here to settle. Or maybe you have dreams and desires to do something different and something within you is like, if I, if I gave voice to this, the people around me would think I'm crazy and yet it won't go away. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Listen to that. Listen to that. Because for thousands of years, human beings have acknowledged that we're crowned with glory and honor, that there's something we bear something of the infinite, something of the universal. 
uh, something of the ineffable, the intangible, the mysterious, um, the divine. It's crammed down in there. So maybe you simply have this desire to do something great. And by that, you don't mean fame and wealth and success. You just mean you have this deep desire to have given your energies to something that something within you goes, yes, that's what I'm here for. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you have questions about your ambition, if you find yourself wrestling with, uh, no, I'm here for more than this, that's totally normal. So let's just right now, let's just acknowledge, of course, of course, of course. The number of people I've met who ask me, they're like, they begin their question with, now this might sound crazy, but no, it doesn't sound crazy. You know what it sounds like? It sounds human. Now, um, uh, as a tangent to that, some people, especially in Western culture and especially in certain religious tribes, some people have been raised in systems that are aligned against the owning of your ambition, against a proper understanding of ambition. And so for some people, their story begins with what a wretched sinner you are. Uh, some people have been picking tulips for so long that they can only understand themselves as first and foremost totally depraved. There, when you, and when you begin the story in the wrong place, you're going to end up with the wrong story. The story doesn't begin in Genesis 3. It begins in Genesis 1. It doesn't begin with human beings make a mess of things. It begins with human beings bear the divine image. There is a blessing and a goodness that resides within a human being and upon a human being. And that's where the story starts. So uh, the story starts there, and then it speaks of the tremendous ways we can make a mess of things and we can wander way off the path. But it begins with blessing, with honor, with each of us bearing the divine image, with us crowned with glory and honor. So these systems that uh, shape people, that teach them that you are for, first and foremost uh, uh, a wretched, pathetic worm, uh, by the way, these systems ne never create good art. They rarely have anything innovative to contribute. Um, they generally don't do much in the world because any impulse to give yourself to something immediately brings with it, yeah, but you are also pretty pathetic and what good could ever come from you. So if perhaps if you have some of those voices, um, it's important for you to remember that you have to begin the story in the right place. And it's not that we aren't completely clear-eyed about the tremendous destructive potential of a human being. That's not where we start. It's not how the story starts, not how the story ends. It's a truth about the story, but it's not how the story begins. The story begins with you've, you've been crammed full of greatness, so it shouldn't surprise you when you have questions about ambition, when you have big desires, when you have hopes and dreams about giving your life uh, to things that mean something, to things of significance, when something within you chafes against the idea of settling. Of course, of course, you're a human being. Now, coupled with this, if your desire is to get people who don't have access to clean water, clean water, we want you to be ambitious about that. If you're trying to feed people who need food, 
we want you to be ambitious, correct? If you're trying to get every kid a good education, if you're trying to eradicate disease, yeah, we want you to be ambitious. If your goal is better public policy that serves the common good better, if you're, by the way, if you're trying to to solve the traffic problem, come on, we want you to be ambitious. So the issue isn't ambition. The issue is ambition having its proper place in each of our lives. Because ambition can easily take over. It's easy to become consumed by ambition. So let me give you an image that has helped me, oh my word, so much. Um, I was doing an event with my friend Elizabeth Gilbert, everybody's sister, Liz. And uh, this must have been prior. She talks about this image in her book. I think it's Big Magic, but prior to that... Um, she and I were doing these Q&As on this tour that we were on. So we would ask, people had all sorts of questions, and she used this image a couple of times that I was like, that is such a brilliant image. But people, anytime someone would ask a question about fear, Liz would talk about how fear is good because fear kept you alive. So all this no fear, I want to live without fear. Actually, fear, like our ancient ancestors, if there's a lion in the bushes, I want to know... <laughs> because I'm going to run the other way. So fear kept you from not burning your hand on the stove. Fear has kept you alive. So the issue isn't living without fear. The issue is just fear having its proper place, uh, alerting you and warning you and keeping you safe. It's when fear takes over. So Liz, I'll never forget the first time she, she said, think about it like a car. And what you say to fear is you say, fear, I'm glad you're along with me because you've been my friend and you've kept me alive. But here's the thing. Fear, sometimes you take over and you can't take over. So fear, you're going to ride in the back seat because you're going to come along. I need you to come along, but you ride in the back seat and you do not get your, to put your hand on the steering wheel and you do not get to pick the music. <laughs> See what I mean? How great is that image? But I'll never forget the first time she did it and she, she gave the image fear riding in the back seat. I had like a, oh, yes. Because when she used the image around fear, it took me to ambition. It's like finally I had a way to think about my own ambition. Oh, ambition, you're good. You're like a drive. You're the push. You're the engine. You're the spark. You're the fire. You're the desire. Ambition, you're good. It's just you have a tendency to want to take over. And then I become consumed with ambition, and that's not good. So, Ambition, you can ride in the back seat next to fear. And ambition, you don't get to put your hand on the steering wheel. And you don't get to pick the music. But I definitely want you coming along. So think about this. And by the way, when you move to this sort of perspective, you're moving to a much more integrated view. Because ambition then takes its proper place in your life. So, uh, a couple questions, and here is a list. How to know when ambition has its hands on the steering wheel? Uh, How do you know when ambition is steering the car? Which goes back to the original question, how do I know it's me, or how do I know it's my ego? How do I know it's all become selfish pride? How do I know when it's... um, here, Here are a couple thoughts, and I'm sure you can add your own to this list. 
Here are just a couple of observations. My observation would be ambition has taken over and is not in its proper place in your life when you have this deep abiding sense that your life isn't sustainable. I would call it a haunting exhaustion. Uh, It's when you find yourself pushing too hard and you don't know why. It's when you've committed to six things when you only have the capacity for three. And so you're at the fourth, fifth, and sixth thing wondering, why did I say yes to this? And then you look at it and you realize, I don't actually need to be doing these. I just instinctively said yes, and it's draining me at some, at some Eucharist level, at some body broken and blood poured out level. Uh, ambition has taken over when you know that this pace that you're at isn't sustainable and you just wish it would let up. But you also know that when it lets up, you'll just say yes to a number of other things. You'll just fill all that space. Um, I used to be so angry with um, how hard I was pushing myself And I remember this older gentleman, like village elder kind of older gentleman, said to me one time, he heard me doing another one of my complaining rants. This would have been 2001-ish. And I remember him saying, if it's too heavy, it's because you picked it up. (laughs) Isn't that great? If it's too heavy, it's because you picked it up. And it isn't yours to pick up. (laughs) Never forget him saying that. It's not yours to carry. Um, And I often meet people who are like, I don't know why. And that's the thing that kills you. It's when you don't know why all, you don't know why you said yes to this. You don't know why. If you find yourself rolling your eyes at your schedule, that's probably an indication. Um, If you find yourself telling somebody what you're up to and then adding a bunch of caveats, I know it's crazy. I know. I don't know what I was thinking. Yeah, I'll tell you what you were thinking. You weren't thinking. Ambition was steering the car. You were somewhere in the back seat, passed out. (laughs) Okay, number two. Number two, ambition has its hands on the wheel when you find yourself jealous of what you perceive to be the success of others. Ambition does not operate in a generative, unhealthy, selfish, me-first ambition, the kind that wants to grab the wheel. You know that ambition has taken over when you believe in a university, uh, uh, when you believe in a universe of scarcity, when you see somebody else and it appears as though they are having some modicum of success and something within you instantly becomes jealous. Because when, ambitious, when ambition has its proper place, which leads me to number three, it's not just jealousy. It's, you know that ambition has an unproper, improper place. You know that it has its hand on the wheel when you're not inspired by others, but you're threatened. When the goodness and joy and peace And what appears to you to be the success of others when it doesn't inspire you, but it threatens you. You know that ambition is running the show when you've lost your curiosity for how other people do what they do. 
See, when you see somebody else absolutely crushing it, they're just soaring. There's a part of you when ambition is totally running the show that is threatened, like, oh, I could never do that, or why did they get to do it that way? But when ambition has its proper place, what happens within you is, oh, that's possible. Awesome. That's fantastic. Because if they could be about that, well, that just changes the game. I wonder, I wonder what I could be about. See, ambition doesn't have a lot of questions. Ambition isn't very curious because all it knows is me, me, me. But when ambition has its proper place, then it's, it's like a lens. You begin to see everything differently. And then you're like, oh, you see somebody. And instead of being like, oh, how did, why did they get all that? Something within you goes, oh, look at what they did. I, that, that raises all sorts of questions about what might be possible now. It expands you because you realize if they could do that, then what else might be possible? Number four, it. That's number four. The, that, <laughs> my number four thing on the list is just it. And the it is in quotes. You know that ambition is running the show when you talk a lot about it, making it, arriving at it, getting it. And then we ask you what you mean by it, and you can't name it. So it is in quotes, but into it is also a blank line. It is this giant black hole of ambition that you have somehow projected all of your happiness into. Does that make sense? It generally speaks like when you accomplish that, then you'll be happy. When you arrive at X, then you can take a breather. Now, this is not, we're not talking, we're not against plans, we're not against goals, we're not against trying to reach certain deadlines or destinations, but it is what happens spiritually when ambition takes over your heart and you've convinced yourself that if you could just get that it, then... Uh, then something within you would relax. Then something within you would be filled with gratitude. Then something within you could be kind and generous. But until then, we're still trying to make it. Yeah, you'll hear people talk about it all this time. Well, it's nice because you've made it. What do you mean by it? Well, you know it. No, I don't know what you mean by it. But it is killing you. So if you have some vague, nebulous, hairball sense... <laughs> That, did I just say vague, nebulous hairball? Uh, yeah, I did. If you have some conviction, some belief you realize you're living according to, that everything will be great when you arrive at some mystical, magical point in the future, that's an it. And that's how ambition works uh, when it's completely out of control and doesn't have its proper place. Number five. Uh, you know that ambition is running the show when you lose all of those little moments of gratitude that begin with, I get to do this. Ambition 
has, when it takes over, when it's completely out of control, um, ambition doesn't have a sense of wonder and awe. Ambition is so consumed with how much it can inhale that it doesn't have any space to just pause and go, ah, I get to do this. Can you believe I get to do this? Ambition has very little space for gratitude because it's convinced that all the goodness is up ahead. It misses all of the goodness and gratitude of this moment right here, right now. So you'll often notice uh, the person who's obsessed, whose ambition has taken over, they're a little jumpy. <laughs> they don't sit still very well. Um, and they have no wonder and awe that they even have something to throw themselves into. The fact that you could give yourself to something that meant something to you, that's the gift. The work is the gift. The outcome, that's like the frosting. <laughs> Are you with me on this? The outcome, if anybody responds to it, if anybody actually interacts with the thing that you're doing, what a bonus. The joy, the gift is that you even get to do it. You start there. You wake up in the morning and you have something that fills you with life. That alone, you already won. You already won. I get to make this podcast. How awesome is that? I get to talk to you about this stuff. I get to make all this chicken scratch notes in my notebook and then try to arrange it. Like the outline for this podcast, uh, one, two, three, four. I've written five. I've written it out six times, <laughs> trying to get like the order right and trying to trying to like craft it so that it would make sense to you so that maybe you could see what I've seen so that maybe it could help. That's the joy right there. I've got exclamation points and quotes and little drawings in my notes, right? That's the joy. If it actually helps somebody, are you kidding me? That is amazing. That's frosting on the cake. But you'll notice when ambition has its hand on the wheel, you lose all those thousands of little I get to's. Uh, two more. Number six, you know that ambition is driving the car when you feel like you're owed. Uh, when you feel entitled. When that haunting nine sense creeps in of... Uh, I am due mine. Yeah, I am due here. Somebody somewhere owes me. Uh, yeah, it's a state of the soul. It's a, it's a spirit. It's a spirit of greed. It's a spirit of entitlement. But ambition, when it runs completely out of control, immediately believes that everybody needs to pay up. And there's no joy in that. There's no joy in that. So if you've been working away for all these years and feel like it's about time somebody give me what I'm, that's nothing good is going to come of that. Uh, the work is the joy. You, you've gotten to give yourself to something. That's the joy. That's the reward. Um, but ambition, man, it's got a, it's got a list and it's checking it. And it's making sure that everybody pays up on time. And if they don't, that's why bitterness is often lurking around the edges of ambition when it runs completely out of control. Um, when it gets his hand on the wheel, a low-grade ambition. If everybody could see how great I am, I'm a star. If they could just see it. Oh, please. Nothing interesting about that. Nothing contagious about that. That's not a gift given. 
That's waiting for somebody to give you a gift. That's not, uh, waiting isn't living. Living is giving. When you just go, when you just break yourself open and pour yourself out, that's living. And then one more thing, number seven. You know that ambition has its hand on the wheel when you don't laugh at the messes. Ambition has very little sense of humor. It's very awkward. It's very stiff, very uptight, clenched sphincter. Are you with me on this? When ambition's steering, ambition's just desperately trying to get to some place that it can't even name. So it's just got this pedal down. It's got the pedal to the metal. It's steering to take go to some place that it doesn't know. It can't define the it. And it's not laughing much. So when there's a flat tire, when it's raining cats and dogs and it makes a wrong term, turn, ambition when it's out of control, when it has its hand on the wheel and it doesn't have its proper place in your life, it doesn't laugh much, especially when it makes a mess of things. Um, you know you're making progress when you completely screw it up, when you blow it, when you say something you think, what was I thinking? And then you laugh because you're holding it all loosely because ambition is in the backseat and you need it. You want it to come along. Ambition's a good thing, but it doesn't get to steer and it doesn't get to pick the music. So what do you do with your ambition? You own it. You own it. And you say things like, I have, I have ambitions. I want to do this and I want to do this. You own your desires. Because when they're lurking below the surface, they're haunting you. And they're going to wreak all sorts of havoc. You own them. I want to build a business that's good for the earth, good for employees, that gives goods and services that make the world a better place. I want to expand that business because I think the world needs better, honest businesses full of integrity that are good for the planet, good for each other, good for people who need this product or service the most. Like that's like You just own it. I want to make great art. I want to raise kids who are grounded and centered, who grow up in a home free from anxiety, who are from day one affirmed that they're here to give a good gift. And it's good that they're here because it's good to be human. I want to, you see what I'm saying? Like, I want to be part of a neighborhood where people live a certain way. I want to solve this problem. I want to eradicate that. I want to stand with those people. I want to be an activist for this cause. You just own it. You own it. This is what I want to do. And that desire sits in a larger sphere that is called my life. It does not get to take over, but it is there. Uh, a number of years ago, I was sitting with a very crazy wealthy man, like crazy wealthy. Uh, and this man, ha I was asking him how many business ideas he has a day. And he was like, oh, I don't know, one an hour. <laughs> and this man's ideas have worked and made like, literally hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, but he's like, but I don't do that anymore. He's like, because it consumes me. So, so I was like, what do you mean? Like, wait, wait, you don't, you just, you don't invest and you don't cook up new ideas. He's like, no, no, because I just, I get into it and I'm really, really good at it. And it just sort of consumes me and it owns me and it's not good. So I just sort of avoid it. And then, you know what he said? He said, and I'm so bored. I am so bored. See, ambition is a bit like a fire, and it can burn you. And what happens for many people is it 
spurned them. So now they want nothing to do with it. But here's the thing. You can't put a lion on a leash. Are you with me on this? Like you may have gotten burned. You may have had people make fun of you. You may have taken a first shot at it and failed. You may have lost money. Um, You may have not had the outcome that you decided was the outcome you needed to have. Maybe you had assumptions about how it would go and it didn't go that way. Maybe relationships um, were the casualties of your ambition. And so what you did is like you turned the valve off. Uh, And now you're arguing with people on Facebook. (laughs) See what I'm saying? See what I'm saying? How many people are making a ruckus online because they have all this bound up ambition and energy, but they tried some things and it didn't work so well. They got burned. They got burned by the fire. So now they're like, whatever I do, I avoid fire. I just talk about life. I just spectate about politics. I just rant about things because if I were to actually get some skin in the game, I might get burned again. Here's the thing, my friends. Here's the thing. You were given those desires for a reason. Let's assume they're design, they're, they're divine at some level. We need you engaged. We need your sweat. We need your blood. We need your body broken open, your blood poured out. We need your Eucharist gift, right? It's a good gift and the world needs it. We need it. So you may have gotten burned. I get it. I get it. We got to go back there. We got to work through all that. Once again, it's nice to have a pro help you. Uh, we need to work through all that, but then we need you um, We need you to move forward. We need you to get back in the car, and we need you to put ambition in the back seat, and then we need you to go do your thing. And I get it that it was painful. I get it that there were like bodies everywhere and landmines everywhere you turned. I get it. I get it. But to avoid it, it'll crush your soul. Um, And you are at some level with ambition. We're playing with fire. It can easily consume us. I've had two, two and a half (laughs) major burnouts when I was cooked. One of them, I didn't speak publicly for four months. A third of a year, I had to just go off the grid and let myself be put back together because of how painful and draining and devastating it was. Because ambition, man, ambition was in the front seat. Ambition had duct taped its hands to the steering wheel. Ambition had picked a 42-hour playlist of songs. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's how that works. But I'm telling you, uh, to to then go the other direction and be like, nah, I used to do that, but now I just sort of hang out. No way. You're not here just to hang out. You have that gift. You have that potential. You have that talent. You have that passion. You have that desire. You have those abilities lurking within you. And and you you can go off the grid for a while. It's fine. Sometimes you need that. Totally get it. I actually encourage it. But at some point, you got to get back in the game. And uh, now, uh, man, I get so fired up about this. Uh, okay, maybe you, a couple thoughts. One about seasons. Maybe you're like, well, yeah, I got big ambitions, but right now I'm taking care of somebody who's really ill. Uh, yeah, it's nice. I have huge things I want to do, but right now I have a kid. I have two kids. I have three kids. And their ages one, three, and five. I'm not doing much 
If I get out of sweatpants by 3 p.m., it's a good day. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I get it. I get it. So, and so sometimes uh, you have to see your ambition within the larger seasons of life. This is what I'm doing now. And yeah, I have big plans. I have big ambitions. I got stuff. I have a big engine in here. Um, yeah, so sometimes it's just a plan. Sometimes it's, okay, right now I'm doing this, but in a couple years, I'm going to do that. And so your finances, your time, your energies, your, all of it, you, you, you guide it then in that way. When this first kid goes to school, when this business, uh, in nine months, we're doing this. Um, yeah, sometimes a plan is all you need to just give you like, okay, that's what I'm going to do with it. Sometimes it's patience, sometimes it's resolve, and sometimes it's like a thousand little wax. Um, and what I mean by a thousand little wax is what can you do right now? Sometimes all your ambition needs is like one tiny outlet. Okay, so what I'm going to do right now for 10 minutes a day is educate myself about X. What I'm going to do right now is once a week, I'm going to spend an hour learning about Y. Um, what I'm going to do is once a month, I'm going to spend a day and I'm going to interview somebody because I want to know about this thing because I have something within me that won't die. So I figured I should first just gather information. Sometimes the biggest stuff, uh, the, the big dreams, the big goals, the big ambition starts by just simply gathering information. Right now, I need to know what other people have done in this space. Right now, I need to educate myself about da-da-da-da-da-da. That's all I'm doing right now. When I can, I just take another little whack at it. And uh, over time, it might turn into something. Who knows? Uh, now, let's wrap this up by talking about magnanimity. And let me get all New Testament on you. Uh, once again, we're working with actual paper here. There's a great line in the New Testament about ambition. Do nothing out of selfish ambition from the book of Philippians, chapter 2, letter to the Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. By the way, um, it doesn't have a problem with ambition. The Apostle Paul here, he has no problem with ambition. It's do nothing out of selfish ambition. And you know what the word means? Uh, the original word in Greek, it um, refers to a mercenary. Isn't that fantastic? D don't do anything as a mercenary. Now, why is this interesting? Because a mercenary has no larger purpose or goal or framework. A mercenary is in the battle just so they can get paid. So do nothing out of a mercenary spirit, which in, in which the ultimate goal is nothing larger than yourself, essentially, or vain conceit. Rather, in humility... Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Now, what I love here is the Apostle Paul connects ambition with humility. When you own your humility, your ambition, because that's what we do with ambition, we own it. It has its proper place in the backseat. When you own your ambition, what you will notice is how much humility, it, it, how humbling it is. Because when you properly own your ambition, this is my deepest desire. I'm going after this. It will, if it's the deepest desire within you, inevitably tap into the divine within you. And the divine within you is the divine within everybody. This is why when you saw that insane movie that was three hours long that blew your mind and you were like, how did this person have the tenacity and creation and imagination 
creative power to do this movie, the movie somehow spoke to you. They went all the way into their deepest desire to make that particular movie. But when they went deep enough into their own desire, what did it do to you? It resonated like a tuning fork. It resonated with something in you. You see, when you go far enough in to your ambition, you're going to like strike bedrock. You're going to strike spirit, soul, divine. And when you do that, then we're all going to feel it. Proper ambition will move you beyond yourself. And so what the writer does, and that will always humble you. Somebody actually responds to what you're doing. Somebody actually got helped. All that will do is make you realize, what? I get to do this? Uh, you will be so aware, trust me on this, you will be so aware of how something bigger is going on here than just you. The last thing that will be present in you is, man, I'm kind of awesome. No way. No way. That's why you can tell. I can tell when somebody's ambition is in the proper place and they properly owned it because it does not produce this bloated ego and pride. It produces tremendous humility. No way. Really? Are you kidding me? That What I did even affected you? That's amazing. Thank you for sharing. Oh, I got to be a part of that. You're now a part of something much, 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 much bigger than yourself. Um, one of the reasons I say that is because I live in one of the global capitals of ambition. And in uh, Los Angeles, you have all these people who were told in their town, wherever it was, in Pennsylvania or Texas or Florida, they were told, hey, you're like the most beautiful star here. You could be a star. And they believed it and they moved to Hollywood. Um, and so you have like a town filled with thousands and thousands of people who were told, you're amazing, you could go all the way. Um, but what's quite quick, quite quickly you pick up is are these two kinds of ambition. Uh, and you meet people who are so consumed with getting to the top. And they're incredibly talented and beautiful and hardworking and driven, and yet there's no larger thing going on than just them, their own little empire. And then you meet these people whose ambition has a proper place. They're going for it. They're doing the work. They're doing the 15 drafts of the script. They're going to the 100th audition. And yet they're doing it out of this larger sense that this is the gift they're here to give. And it's, it's almost like you can draw a line. It's like two fundamentally different energies. It's like two postures of the spirit. Um, and so what happens oftentimes is people settle for cheap ambition. No, we don't settle for cheap, cheap surface ambition, which is I'm just, uh, I'm just here to make a name for myself. Oh, please, I'm already bored. The people who you meet them and within a minute, they've already told you how special they are. Oh, please, seriously, uh, get me back to the bar. This is boring. Um, it's, it's owning your ambition with such depth and gratitude that it takes you to this other place. Um, you're here to give a gift. And all that's ever going to do is, when you own it properly, is create profound humility within you. In uh, Catholic theology, they have something called magnanimity. You know what magnanimity is? It's a virtue. 
and they call it greatness of soul. Thomas Aquinas called magnanimity a stretching of the mind. Literally in Catholic theology, they created space for the largeness of a person. And they said, sometimes people get activated, they get quickened, they get awakened, they get enlightened, and they orient their lives around this virtue of greatness of soul. They go after it. Um, they become big. Not big like Instagram followers big. They become big like they are so in tune properly with desire, passion, ambition, that it just naturally spills over onto everybody around them. I know. Isn't that beautiful? They literally have a category for this. They're not intimidated by the largest of somebody. They're not intimidated by somebody who's like, I got things I want to do here. Uh, I got things I'm, I'm, I'm here to give this gift. Not intimidated by it, but inspired by it. One more thing, then we're done. A prayer. Uh, ambition's a big thing. It can be a big, giant, vague, nebulous hairball. Are you with me on this? I've already talked about this. Uh, can overwhelm you. It can be like, I got all this greatness. In Here's a prayer. The prayer will always be about the next step. It will always be difficult. There will always be some sort of cost. There will always be some sort of risk. There will always be some sort of warbly, wobbly hesitation on the front end. But, but perhaps you just begin with a prayer. And the prayer, my prayer always is, just show me today what it looks like. Show me today. I'm committed to ambition having its proper place, but I got things I want to do. So today, show me. Show me the next step. Show me the next thing. And I guarantee you, it will not be some giant thing. It will be some small little task. That's how it works. A thousand whacks at it. A thousand tiny little steps in a particular direction. That's how it always works. So when you think about all the giant stuff that has been crammed within you, the way that it works is you wake up in the morning and you say, here I am. I need some guidance. I need some help. I need some insight. Uh, I want to do great things. I want to embrace magnanimity. So please, and sometimes in varying degrees of desperation, just show me today what it looks like. Just show me today. If you're a mom trying to figure out how to raise these kids, go to work, if you're a business owner, if you're an artist, if you work in law, healthcare, you're like, I got big things I want to do. We'll begin with, so show me today what it looks like. Show me today what it looks like. Just one thing. That's all I'm asking for. I'm not greedy. Just one thing. Um, I've never asked, I've never had this prayer, and, and I wasn't given like a spotlight, like a little iPhone flashlight, like a little glimpse, like a little shard of light breaking through. Just a little bit. It's all you need. It's all you need. I don't need two steps from now. I just need the next step. Yes. So may you, my brothers and sisters, own your ambition. May you turn to your ambition and say, you sit in the back seat, I'll steer, but you need to come along because we've got big things we need to do. And may grace and peace be yours. <laughs>